Do you like movies, television about comic books, and comic books themselves? Then you definitely need to listen to Thinking Outside the Long Box with Juan, John, and Gabe. Available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and your local computer monitor. This is Sarah Miller from Ink Master Season 2, and I have issues. Welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I am Adrian. This should be another really fun show. I'm speaking to a gentleman who just recently launched his Kickstarter for his book called Home, which we will be talking a lot about and pretty much anything else we can get into. Please welcome Todd Black. Todd, how's it going, man? Pretty good. And let me just say, I probably have bigger issues than you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sweet. We should have an issues off right now. Let's do it. And then Deadpool come in knocking on the screen. Hello, guys! I'm the king of issues over here! <laughs> that was a really good Deadpool impersonation. Deadpool is like one of those characters that I feel like I should not like based on who I am as a person. And yet, like one of my favorite comics runs was Daniel Way's Deadpool comics. That was a really good one. It was just so insane and good. Like, Deadpool versus Hawkeye to this day yes! is one of my favorite three issue arcs. Love that. And, I, and like the voices in my head are screaming right now, why aren't you talking about home? And I'm like, shut up, I'm talking about Deadpool. <laughs> oh, don't worry. we got plenty of time to talk about home. Two words, and you'll understand this. Meat suit. <laughs> no, the Hawkeye versus Deadpool, for some reason, I laughed hysterically when he steals his, um, his old, what was it, like the Sky Cycle? I don't remember. I revised that. It was technically Bullseye versus Deadpool, but he was dressed up as Hawkeye because he was part of Norman Osborn's okay. event, Dark Avengers. But yeah, the Bullseye versus Deadpool. If you do get a chance, though, I would highly recommend Hawkeye versus Deadpool. It's I've heard good things. It, it's pretty fun, um, especially if you're a Hawkeye fan, because there's a lot of really fun Easter eggs for the character, because a lot of it is jokes related to, even though he's like his, a badass archer, let's be honest, a lot of his costumes and like his old Sky Cycle, very lame accessories for someone who's supposed to be like so great. So they kind of play on the fact that a lot of people tend to think of him as sort of like a second-rate character. Yeah, well, I think Age of Ultron was honestly one of the best interpretations I've seen of Hawkeye in a while. Like, there's that one scene with scarlet witch and he's like okay look the city's flying the city is flying okay and there's like all these robots out there and i have a bow and arrow nothing makes sense okay <laughs> but i'm gonna go back out there because it's my job and if you step out that door you're an avenger okay yeah good chat let's go <laughs> <laughs> and jeremy renner just sold it like it was like dang <laughs> And to tell you the truth, it's funny how much he had to fight for that, because I remember reading this article where he sort of lamented at the fact that once he got the part of Hawkeye, he did a lot of research, as most actors do for their roles. Oh, naturally. And he, I guess, kind of let it slip that he was a little disappointed of how they handled his character in the first movie. Oh, I remember that. That was, And I'm glad he said that. And Joss Whedon corrected it, and it's like, look... We understand that a lot of people give Hawkeye flack, but there's a reason why I put him on his team. 
And I was not upset that he was the focus of that. Well, oh, spoilers. I don't know if anyone's seen this movie or not, but whatever. It's, it's, assume they have. It was like the one that's the highest grossing, blah, blah, blahs, and yada, yada, right. and geek one. But yeah, they, they gave him a bigger push, so I'm definitely all about the more Hawkeye, the better. Yeah. So we should probably get into it because it's one thing about me, though, you get me talking comics and pop culture, you can't get me to stop. Uh, I'd be here with you all night. I'd probably. You know. All right. As long as you're willing to play ball, that's that's cool because there's nothing worse than like you go into a bit and then someone you're talking to is like, I have no idea what you're saying, and I'm like, Well, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll come back to that. I guess. I guess we should talk about why I actually. I came know. On the show. God, I'm, like you know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so, actually, before we even get started on your new book, we should start pretty much. Let's start at your origins because. If nothing else, we should at least get to know the man behind the comics. So where does it start for you? Have you always worked in comics, or what was your kind of first real venture into this wonderful world? <laughs> well, it's it's complicated because, you see, when I, I was I, – I, I honestly grew up on superheroes. You know, um, Batman the Animated Series, Spider-Man the Animated Series, X-Men Animated Series, Superman, Justice League – and then when I was 18, I was a uh, I moved to Canada and I got drafted into the Weapon X program. Wait, no, uh, wrong, <laughs> wrong origin, wrong origin. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but, uh, I so I I grew up on I grew up on superheroes, but I honestly never thought about per se writing them because it just never crossed my mind. Even though technically I was doing that my entire childhood, just you know using my imagination and all that, but. Then when I was I was 18, I moved. Uh, I, I got to a junior college, very close to actually where I still live, and I was on uh, IGN.com, and they were talking about this upcoming Marvel event called Dark Rain. Basically, you know, Norman Osborn essentially kind of sort of takes over the world, right? Or at least the U.S. Anyway, and I was like, you know, that's that's actually kind of intriguing, you know. And so I, I looked into it. And I was like. I've never even thought about going to a comic book store because, you know, know, when you're a kid, you know, especially, you know, 90s, early uh, 2000s, like, I know I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of money, nor would I have asked my parents to get me comic books and such and such. And I was like, I I, kind of have money now. Um, Is there there, there a comic book store near me? And lo and behold, about, oh, I don't know, four blocks, give or take, from my junior college is a comic book store. Oh, that's the worst. Um, matter of fact, my comic book store is about five minutes away. And as someone who's into this stuff, that's like basically being a recovering addict and living like right next to a liquor store. Yeah. So I go. So I go there, and you know, I, I'm still like incredibly, you know, I am super noob when it comes to comics. You know, I, you know, they had just gotten done with Secret Invasion, and there were all these like spinoffs and tie-ins, and of course, DC was about to uh, was dealing with uh, the death of Batman. Uh, like I, I got into the perfect time for a battle for the cowl and all that. And so I just started slowly buying the comic books and, you know, it became like my stress relief, if you will, during college, because, you know, college is nuts. And uh, <laughs> eventually I moved. I also did move to Chicago and to finish my college career. And I went to uh, C2E2, which is the Chicago Comic Entertainment Expo. And I had been bouncing an idea of what I wanted to do with if I wrote my own comic series. I had an idea for a superhero series, and I was like, but I don't know if I should do it. So I go to C2E2, and there's a panel that I honestly go to every year because I go to C2E2 every year. It's like my, it's like my my con, you know what I mean? And uh, and so I go there, and Matt Fraction, 
who was working on Invincible Iron Man at the time, which was one of, still one of my favorite comics, was his run on that. It was so good. That was a really fun uh, one. Was it was just so intriguing, you know, like the Tony like destroying his own mind so Norman Osborn couldn't get it, but we'll get to that later. And uh, so I asked my, my friends, like, what, you, what would you tell a guy that, uh, you know, he wants to write a comic, but he's not sure about it, but he knows he has a good idea? And Matt Fraction just like straightens himself up and looks right at me and goes, "If you want to make a comic, find an artist and make the comic." And I was like, "Okay." So. I'll be honest, it took me about, I don't know, two years after that light bulb inspiration moment, because, you know, you had to, you know, find an artist, and then you had to find a way to pay said artist, but right. I eventually got in, I got artists slash artists, and I made what what is now, was the first issue of my now ongoing superhero series called Guardians, and... You know, we started off one issue, and then we made another, and then we made another, and then we made another, and then we had to drop down for, like, six months because Comixology was taking a while to upload, and because this was, like, right at the beginning of their submit program, and then we made number three, then we had to drop down again, and then we, I just said, screw it, I need to keep making this, and so we started off with Guardians number four, and now we're, like, on a bi-monthly release, which is great. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, you know, we have 11 issues out. We're working on number 12 right now. For the the uninitiated, what is the basic premise of the Guardians? Guardians is my, my is my take on the superhero genre, and it's about these two beings that were created by a deity to protect a city in need, and they have all these incredible powers. They have complete control over their powers, but they have zero people skills. <laughs> everyone, okay, I'm being honest here. Everyone laughs when I say that line, and I know it's because of my delivery in part because I just like drop it. But it's just like I, I find it amusing that everyone laughs when I say that because I, I think it's because they think of like all these superheroes that do have good people skills or don't have good people skills, and it's just like, oh yeah, this god can create a superhero, but he can't create one as a people person, really. So, well, yeah, it's kind of like that thing because I know there's plenty of stories that deal with that, but it's always funny because in your traditional superhero it's always you know your young inexperienced man woman whoever it may be they get this great power pretty much unparalleled then for some reason in the story once they get that power all of a sudden they're perfectly able to handle the responsibility part and i'm just thinking about it i'm like look i mean i'm only now in my 30s but i'm still fairly young if someone gave me superpowers i'm thinking about it it's going to be at least a good year before I even think about maybe saving people because, let's be honest, you're probably going to not be that great of a person until you figure out how to properly use them. I agree. And like, if, depending, and I'll be fair. It de- does depend on the power to an extent, and it depends on like it, also your situation, like not just who you are and what you are, but like where you are. Because, if, for example, if I lived in, like let's say, Arizona, right, and my ability was, let's just say, fire control. I would drive out into the middle of the desert and just test my powers for like hours on end because I know all I'm burning is sand, you know? Right. (laughs) You can't do that in a city area like where I'm in Illinois. You know, you can't just do that because if you burn something, you're probably going to light a cornfield on fire. Uh, (laughs) Corn! (laughs) There's a very angry fire marshal played by William Shatner. (laughs) Why are you lighting my... Cornfields on fire. Why? I don't understand why you're doing this. Do and my corn. Fire. 
Wow. <laughs> it's like two hours in this, like the fire's already extinguished and he's still going on in his monologue. Like he's just feeling it that much. But no, that's I laugh because not that it's necessarily a funny premise, but I just realized that, you know what, I can definitely relate to that because I, I feel like that would kind of be me to a certain extent. And that, and for me, I, I did that because it would have been so easy for this deity to create this quote-unquote perfect hero. Right. But then you have nowhere to go with it. But with the Guardians, that's honestly part of their hook is because because they don't know how to interact with the people, because they don't know how to talk to the people they're saving, they're almost afraid of them, especially at first. And so what happens is they go to this watchtower that's in the middle of the city that's called the Perch, and they'll just stand there on the top of the tower watching the city, waiting to be needed. And then when they're needed, they'll jump off and fly. They can both fly. Go save the city. Go save the people, and they come back. They don't need to eat. They don't need to sleep. And it just it keeps going like this for a while. And eventually one of them, uh, Element, goes, is there more to our lives than just this? Should we just be these silent guardians who watch over the city, or should we be someone who actually interacts with the city, interacts with the people, get to know them better, and save them then? Element thinks yes, his brother Chaos thinks no, and it's just it just creates this very fun dynamic. And it all stems from the fact that they don't know how to interact with people. Very awesome. So this idea that you had, now, is, does this come from a personal space, or is it just that idea that you've been kicking around so long that you then decided, well, I just need to put this down on paper? It, it's honestly a little bit of both. You know, I, I like to think that my, both my guardians are a reflection of me to an extent. You know, I think those are the best stories where you can reflect off of you. Um, home was, is definitely like that, and we'll get to that soon, obviously. But, uh, you know, I like the idea of duality, uh, of you know, light and darkness and seeing how they interact with the people element is for lack of a better term, a typical hero, a standard hero. He has that look. He has like, he has this red and blue armor. You know, he has that kind baby face. If you walk kind of Superman esque, you know, he's, he's more upbeat. He's happy most of the time and he loves helping the people. Chaos is more duty-oriented. He believes in his mission. He understands his mission. He loves his mission, which is to save the people of Delta City. And he will fulfill it to the best of his abilities. But he doesn't pander to the crowd. Right. While, while Element would like would love to shake hands with him, Chaos is like, okay, we need to get back to the tower because something else might happen at any given moment. You know, he doesn't hate the people. It's so far from that. He actually has a great respect for a lot of people like the police force and the fire department who they actually interact with a lot. But he's he's much more focused. It just creates an interesting dynamic because he'll say these things that you don't expect from him. And then he'll say these things you do expect from him. And you're like, well, which is which? And it's just like, that's his character. He chaos has the power to control darkness, and it, he has this pale skin. He has this long black hair, this shiny black armor, and you think he looks like a bad guy, but he's not. He's actually this incredible hero, and yet people look at him and they're very unsure. So he has like almost a personal mission to prove to them, "Hey, I'm I am a hero. Darkness is as necessary as light." Okay, and huh. yeah, because if you think about it, what is day without night? If you don't have the darkness, everything is going to burn up from the sun. You know, if you don't have shade, you're not you're going to be boiling. 
you know, everything needs to be cooled down just as much as it needs to be heated up. And that's the reflection here. Element has fire, ice, and lightning powers, very natural. And then chaos is unnatural. And yet this deity made him that way to show that, hey, there is balance in this world. And you, sometimes you just misunderstand that. And that's what the Guardians are here to show. Sounds like a great premise. How long did you, uh, how long is this going on? You said it was, what, 12 issues? Uh, yeah, we're working on our 12th issue right now. Right, we actually are introducing a, a new character. Uh, we just introduced a new character called a Captain Delta, who is a, a character I've been wanting to introduce for a while now. And uh, it's a very fun story, in my opinion. I'm the writer, I can say this. Uh, <laughs> I think this is the greatest story ever. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be very weird if you did an interview, not necessarily with me, but you're like, oh, my God, this is like the worst story. Trust me, I wouldn't buy this either. No, yeah. I don't think you'd find anybody who would say that Without it being at least, you know, a level of self-deprecating yeah. humor. And, the, and what I really like about Guardians is, you know, not just the simplicity of it, but it it it's – a person read them recently and, to, and said something that really stuck with me. It's a lot like a Saturday morning cartoon, which is awesome because I still watch Saturday morning cartoons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wake up every, mor- every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to watch Pokemon. Do you do the bowl of cereal? Do you not do the bowl of cereal still? It's like, because me, my ritual was I had to have the bowl of cereal first. Like, oh, I, I make a PB&J sandwich to eat while I'm watching Pokemon. Ooh, good call. I try. Anyway, so, <laughs> but the, the thing about Guardians is, like, if you think about it, you know, Saturday morning cartoons are usually, like, one story per episode, or you have an occasional, you know, two-part, three-part episode. That's what a lot of Guardians is right now, is that, you know, we had the first issue, which is Guardians number zero, which is our prologue, and that really sets up everything. Then you have the first arc, which is uh, The Winds of Change. We introduced our first supervillain called Tempest. That's three issues. But then we have, like, three straight arcs of two-issue arcs. And it's not that I couldn't dredge out the story, you know, make it three, four, five issues long. It's just that I didn't want that. I wanted short, sweet, to the point. Here's a new villain. Here's what they're doing. Here's how the Guardians interact with that, and then something happens, and then they have to move on. And I think it's good for, like, especially as an indie comic writer, I can't dwell, especially in this new universe where, you know, it's like, you know, oh, it's a superhero universe. Everyone has a superhero and blah, blah, blah. You know, you need to, like, kind of hit them hard and fast. And so with, with Guardians, I'm, ha- I'm condensing them so that you see this evolution of the universe, and yet you're never on the story too long to it. It's like, oh, man, this is dragging. Because I've had so many arcs and so many comics that I've read that's just like, it takes forever to get to that punchline, you know, right, exactly. to, to, to get to that final issue. And then it's like, man, this was good, but do we really need this issue? Or do we need this filler? Or do we need this tie-in? And I don't want to do that, at least at least not right now, because for me, there's still so much of this universe to explore. And we got some good stuff coming up, and I want to get to it. I have so many characters that want to unveil, and it's just like, i got to get to the got to write this issue first. So... <laughs> But yeah, that's that's great though because a lot of stories you're right, they do have a tendency to drag on and a story should be as long as the story can entail because I'd imagine your story arcs aren't necessarily that rigid where it's always three parts or it's not always two parts, but basically the number of issues serves to tell the story without any unnecessary filler. So again, that's also commendable. Thank you. And and I like to think that I improve with each arc, and you know we have some, we have some fun villains. Like I never thought I'd get this far. I mean, when I made Guardians Number Zero, I was like, we'll just see how far this goes. And now I'm like making the twelfth issue, and I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> I'm like, actually, I, I planned out a long time ago what arcs would come 
in what order and I'm slowly getting to the point where I don't exactly have a plan you know I knew I know where I'm going to be like by issue 25 and I know the arc before that but between an issue an arc that's coming up and that arc I'm like like five or six issues where I have like nothing and I'm like oh my gosh I actually have to plan for this this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> it shows how far I've come you know right I really have to check this out so you said this is available what, on Comixology uh, we, we have on, we have a, on several places. Honestly, we have a Comicsology, we have a drive-through comics. We just put the entire series, say for our most recent issue, up there, and then we have it on sale via our own website, uh, Guardians-Comic.com, where you can get them digitally, or you can email us to uh, get them in print. So, and we'll have them sent straight to your door. Very awesome. Because I, I know, because uh, I've had so many people tell me, it's like Todd, we would buy your comic dot 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 but we need it in print as we've seen that now is a, a very important time for indie comic books and indie creators because i mean the the major guys will always be around they'll mm-hmm. always find a way to reinvent however mm-hmm. and i guess in one way it does have its reward but it's a much different story for the indie creator because you have to go that much further to get the attention of prospective readers yeah and let's be honest, unfortunately, as it goes, print is hard because a lot of stores, and I know stores that I've gone to in the past, they won't really buy too many books if they know they can't sell them. So digital is great in that way because I feel like it kind of, not necessarily cuts out the middleman, but it's much quicker to get a book. And I was always one who I thought digital books were not for me. I thought that was one of those things that, oh, that's only for people with iPads or whatever. But digital books are now in a way that it's much more accessible than it was, I would say, a few years ago. Yeah. But I guess it's hard, though, because, yeah, if people want print versions, but print also costs money, especially if it's in color. And especially if you have to do, like, a certain run of them. And then you obviously make sure you want to sell your product. So yeah. I can imagine doing prints a little bit more difficult. It's it's complicated. It's a very complicated thing because on one hand you you hear all about like you hear about comicsology and you know like DC's on there they got big influence you know Marvel's got like Marvel Unlimited you know and you get all, all these digital comics and you hear about all these success stories and I'm like well and it's true there are successes but you know that doesn't apply to everyone and right. yes a lot of people do love digital comics because you know, they can download it they can delete it then re-download it or whatever and you know you can read it on your phone you can read it on your uh, your pad or your computer screen or whatever and that's all true but you still have to buy the books and a lot of people especially for indie writers it's so hard just to get a fair share you know even if you want to call it fair and it's no diss on anybody it's just the fact that you know like the number one criticism that i have for guardians even though you know even though they say they love the stories love the characters love the villains is they're still confused about why my first comic would be a superhero comic with dc and marvel and even image and dark horse and all of them why would i have done a superhero comic because there's so many out there and i go because i have a story i need to tell and they understand that but it's the pro- it's still the problem that how how long will it take for those people who love these stories and maybe want something different to find my book? I promote as daily as I can, you know, not just for home and for Guardians, but for other stuff. And, you know, I'm still, you know, nowhere near to where I'm like, you know, self-sustaining or whatever. And that, that's fine. I knew that risk when I came in. It's a struggle, but, and I know we'll probably talk about this later, but it's like the, the, the most important advice I can give to any indie comic writer, artist is belief. 
believe in your stuff, believe in your comic, believe in your characters, believe in your story. Because if you do not believe, if you're doing this for a paycheck, if you're doing it just to get your name out there after writing a comic you, you kind of sort of like, what the heck are you doing? And more importantly, how are the people supposed to believe in you if you don't believe in it yourself? You know, people who read Guardians, and I'll, I'll admit there aren't there aren't too many. You know, I got some dedicated fans, but uh, everyone who's read it, they're like, wow, you know, this is this is good stuff. And Todd, I can see your passion in these writings. Like I had a write up from a website recently, and he's like praising. It was the guy who said that about the Saturday morning cartoon thing, and he's just like just praising me left and right. And I'm like that's why i do it because i'll find that one guy who loves this story and he'll tell people and he'll say check out guardians and you know maybe they'll give it a shot but it is a struggle and but if you don't believe in it and you don't you know keep pushing then you're never gonna make it yeah and that's definitely a message that carries across any sort of creative endeavor whether it's comic books or writing regular novels, music, whatever it may be, because unfortunately not everybody, and I, I had this back and forth because there's always that push and pull between the professional side of the one that wants that, you know, career, the office, 401k kind of thing. But then it's like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff that I have in my mind that I want to do, but it's like, and if you're not into it, why do it? It's just, if you don't have yeah. that conviction, you're you're wasting your time as well as everybody else's. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, uh, you know, just in case anybody from DC or Marvel are listening to this, I totally want to work for DC or Marvel or even Dark Horse or Dynamite or Image or whoever. But should I get that honor and be able to write those comics, I'm still writing Guardians. Time and, you know, audience willing, I'm going to continue writing home. And, and I have two – I already have two more titles that I want to make. That's just who I am. I keep, can't stop thinking of these ideas. I literally came up with an idea during like the final days before the home Kickstarter launched, and I'm like, I shouldn't be thinking of this. I shouldn't be thinking of this. I gotta focus on home, and I just like started like thinking, well, what if I had this character do this and this character? <laughs> and then I, I have a I have a friend. Her name is Melissa. She's absolutely amazing and so kind to me. And she's she was the one who made the logo for home, and then made the logo for a third idea that I, I'm gonna make eventually. And then when this fourth idea came up, I go, I have a sickness. I, I can't stop thinking of comic ideas. And she writes, well, that's a good sickness to have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she's making the logo now because she just loves it. And so I'm like, oh, there you go. So, you know, I believe in my stories. And, you know, should I make it to DC or Marvel or wherever, I still am going to write these stories because I love telling these stories. And I just want to keep making – I just want to make as many stories as I can. Absolutely. And as someone who writes, it's like that sometimes, isn't it? Like, And it's always the worst time whether it's either late, you're at work, or God forbid a few times you're, you're in the bathroom and you're like, I got this great idea. Hold on. I have nothing to write this down on. Someone help me. <laughs> like, help. help. <laughs> like you're crawling. Like, out of the bathroom trying to find something to write down. Yeah. But, um, all right, we buried the lead enough, but let's get to it home, because I was looking up information about it. First off, the art's incredible. Thank you. Let's tell people about home. So, where did this all come about? Or how did this all come about, I should say? Okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll happily tell you how it came about. This is one of those, you know, if you recall in May, I think it was, yeah, May, uh, Oni Press launched their uh, open submissions. Yes, and I had been you know, I had been doing Guardians for a while. I was doing uh honestly one of my favorite arcs called Deadly Silence, and I saw this, and you know you know everyone's like you know talking about it, posting about it, and yada yada yada, and it was like, 
okay, I should totally do this. Because if for no other reason, I could, I could think of a future comic idea, and then best case scenario, I get accepted, and you know, I'm now working for an ex- a distinguished publisher. So I came up with this nice, big, grand, like I like to call it a, like a Jonathan Hickman esque, you know, story. You know, wheels within wheels, and blah blah oh, blah. Man. And we could do a I, whole podcast on Jonathan Hickman because yes, that, that's could. one of my favorite writers. But same here, I love <laughs> Secret Warriors. Anyway, uh, Warriors, not War. Just, just, just saying. I like Secret Wars, but it's not done yet, so I can't, I can't, you know, give a grade on it. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so I know I like had this great idea, and you know the first, the first line of the uh, the Yoni Press submissions, more or less, was no superhero stories, and I'm like, perfect. This isn't that, and I don't want to do that because I'm already writing Guardians. I want to write something different. So let's do, let's do fantasy. Fantasy is awesome. Fantasy is big and epic. It's, it ever scoping and then i read the second line uh must be a graphic novel or no longer than six issues i'm like oh okay then uh revision time so i took this <laughs> grand idea it was the code name was a uh, shift and i refocused it i took the core idea more or less and i was like apply it to this and i started working it around home came about and i was like i just fell in love with the story what home is is it's a story about a young woman named Alicia, who is what I like to call stuck in life. She has no family. She has no friends. She works a dead-end job. And she was born on our Earth, like roughly, you know, around where we are, 2015, with natural blue hair. When you think about it, that may not sound so weird until you start thinking about it from her perspective. Because if you see a person with blue hair, what's your first thought? Man, they dyed their hair blue. That's interesting. Until she, you hear that it's her natural hair color. And then you, then most people would probably say, what a freak. That's sadly how people are. And so for, <laughs> throughout her life, Alicia has been you know, picked on, ridiculed because of her natural blue hair. Now when we meet her at home, number one, she's been you know, like on her own for a while. She's just stuck in life. And things just don't seem to be getting better, dot, 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 until <laughs> she sees what I like to call the code. And it's a, like a literal living computer code. And the best way I can describe it is if you look at your nearest wall, you know, wherever you are, imagine as you saw a row of like lines, like old school computer code. And it's just like a, a transparent layer just above where the wall is. Okay. That's what Alicia sees. And she properly freaks out when she sees this at first because, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing things. I'm seeing a li- I'm seeing computer code on a wall. After a while, though, she realizes that she, she keeps seeing it, so it's not going well. So she goes to it, and she actually interacts with it. And she can actually fix it, as I like to say. And when she does, things happen in the real world. For example, when she first interacts with it, it's in front of this broken wall. And so she fixes the code, and the wall gets healed. And she's like, okay. So seeing this opportunity to do do some good, you know, break up the monotony that is her life. Right. She, she goes around, helps people, helps fix objects, cars, walls, you know, occasionally uh, does some more unique things I don't want to spoil. But then eventually she sees this wall of code, like a literal like pillar slash column, whatever. And when she fixes it, it opens a portal to another dimension. And this portal literally pulls her into it. And she ends up in this entirely new dimension called Altaria. And in this dimension, 
there is no world per se. There is a city kingdom called Altaria, and which has futuristic knights, is board on a border with a forest that has very feral monsters called the Shreif, and is under constant siege. And now she's stuck there with these knights, with these monsters, not even having a clue as to how the heck she's supposed to get home. And so now she has to help these knights of Altaria to defend their home if she's ever to get home herself, if she can even get home. It's it's something, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, crap. It, I, those stories are always the worst. It's kind of like those... Um... What the heck is his name? I almost said Adam Warlock, but no, that's not it. I'm Adam Strange. I was thinking Adam Strange. Okay. I don't know. I always have like very strange affinity towards those stories, like you know the the stranger in another time kind of idea. Well, it, 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 then you'll definitely like home because it is it is a lot like those. Like another great example that someone actually told me was Wizard of Oz, because it's like you know she's Dorothy and she gets literally swept up into another place in time, and I was like that. That actually works in a lot of ways, you know. Not saying there's, that you know there's gonna be a wicked witch or anything. I can, I can honestly confirm there will not be a wicked witch. Ah, you know, I know, I know. Hey, Boo! Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, down, down in front of you. Uh, but you know, there's there's a lot of cool stuff here, and I definitely play up the fantasy element, not just with the knights and the monsters, but with the code and how we how we use it, how it. The code is it's almost its own thing. It's. I, I hate saying it, but it's a lot like the Force, because it's almost like a living entity slash energy all its own. But unlike the Force, this is very sentient, and it, it, it you see that as you delve deep into the kind of mythology of how it interacts with both the people of Altaria and the world in general, because it only allows certain things to happen in certain instances with certain people. So. It, you, you might think it's random, but it's actually very calculated, and it, it adds to a lot of fun. For example, the code for only certain people lets them become knights, but each knight can only do certain things based on what the code gives to them, and each knight has its own their own unique set of armor. So it's very much like the DNA within them. And so, oh. like, Alicia, we have a picture on the Kickstarter of Alicia in her armor. It's very different than another knight she's going to meet called Sonia. And then there's another knight who we're going to reveal, if the Kickstarter succeeds, who looks completely different from both of them. And it's very personalized. It's very distinctive. And every knight has something different they can do than every other knight. And so it's that makes it very different than the Force, where most Force users can use the same general attacks, more or less, depending on you know what side they're on. Right, exactly. But the code is very specialized, unique, and personal. And I think that just adds that just that fun little wrinkle to it all it's great stuff that sounds so exciting oh man and that's oh, like, i'm excited like, just the, the kickstarter just launched and i'm like it's such i like the code idea because now i'm well shoot i can't really ask that question because i guess i'm going to spoil it. it because ask. all right well do you do we then reveal the origins of the code the code will be revealed my plan is maybe issue two or three it will not be revealed in issue one for more or less obvious reasons because right. it's the, the start of the story. But it will be revealed, and it's not going to be what you think. So there's a there's actually a very simplistic answer to it, and it works oh so well with with how the story is crafted. So uh, I, I think people will be surprised, but it'll also they'll say, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Because you can't just create a thing like, you know, the, the code slash, you know, the force, this magical energy, and not have this... You know, story to reveal why it is. You know, 
like every source of magic in any fantasy book has a source, has an origin. So you can't just say, oh, there's magic here, and then not reveal how it came to be, because then you're just like having magic for magic's sake, and who wants that? Well, so. true, but at the same time, there is that other unfortunate uh, side of that coin where, in the case of, of course, going back to the forest, where in the original trilogy, you just understood that this is just this force that binds everything in the universe. Yeah, that's metachlorians. Yeah, exactly, where it's just kind of like, oh, man, I kind of wish you didn't explain that. But again, I'm not saying this is definitely not the case of that, but... I yeah. guess sometimes, you know, some, the explanation can be a hindrance, but I definitely don't think this is the case yeah. here. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can confirm there will not be no, uh, yeah, there's no metachlorians in my book. Oh, uh, my God. It, it, it is tied to the history of Altaria. I will reveal that. Well, that's that's kind of understood, though. I mean, that all sort of makes sense. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, if it, it, when, when, you, when you understand it, you'll, you'll see, like, you'll see some familiarities with certain other books. Like, I'm actually thinking one that I'm not going to spoil, but... I wanted to make sure that it was as tied to the people of Altaria as it is to anything else. So right. it's, it's going to be good. Are you also doing the art for this book, or do you have an artist I'm as not. well? I have a very good uh, team with me. I have uh, Din Nguyen, who is my uh, penciler and inker. He's, he, he did uh, the, uh, the five-page preview, and he did the uh, cover uh, for Home Number 1, which I thought he knocked out of the park. Our uh, colorist is uh, Bethany Varney. She's very talented, very quick. Uh, I mean, like, seriously, like, she's like, really quick with those colors. Uh, <laughs> then we have a, my letterer is a Zach Som. You know, he's done a lot of... Oh, shoot, Zach Som. I interact with him quite a bit online. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy, you know, he's very dedicated to his lettering practice. And uh, you know, he's, he's just a fun guy. I, I leaned a lot on him a lot during, during the setup of the Kickstarter. And then uh, we actually have a special team teaming up with us for the for a variant cover for home number one which is a special reward on the kickstarter it's uh alfred trujillo and uh miss az power girl karen nicole they're helping like with variant cover and then miss power girl which i still can't believe i get to say this she's actually going to be making a special cosplay of alicia our main character doing a photo shoot of alicia and then the prints of that photo shoot will be given away as a reward in the kickstarter very awesome. Very yes, cool. Yes, anyone who loves cosplay, the $25 reward is for you. <laughs> and we, we're only doing a limited uh, set of that because of uh, shipping logistics and pricing options. So if you love cosplay and you want to get an exclusive print, you know, especially of our main character who you'll see on the Kickstarter, this is your chance. So, And Miss Power Girl is just so awesome. I mean, she's, she worked with me on a Guardians issue a while back. And uh, when, I, when I asked her for help on this, she goes, oh, absolutely, Todd. And I'm like, I have a I have a cosplay friend. I have a cosplay friend. <laughs> I was about to say though, like I know it's one of those things that as creators you don't really like, something we kind of forget that they're also fans too, and yeah. I can only imagine how surreal it is. Like, okay, you had the story, you wrote the story, you came up with the concept. Now, <laughs> sometime later, someone is dressing up as a character you designed. It's that's kind of a, that's kind of I, yeah. I think that would bug me out a little bit. It it, it was mind mind blowing to say the least. And the, the most important thing about that is I did not ask for it. You know, I didn't. It didn't even come across my mind. I'm like talking to her because you know she is a cosplayer, but she's also an artist. And I was like, if and she has a big fan base, and I figured you know, hey, if I could get her on board, maybe her fan base will tag along, and you know, we'll get funded a little bit easier. And then she goes, yeah, I'll totally do the cover. And um, you know, I'm looking at Alicia. You know, I think that's a very simple outfit she wasn't she wasn't looking at the armor she's looking at uh, plain clothes alicia right and uh she goes i could probably cosplay her very easily if you want and i'm like i almost dropped my phone 
like, <laughs> he's like, I did twice. Yeah, it was like, what? And she goes, yeah, I mean, I, I probably put my own spin on it, you know, you know, I have my own little style and all that, but, you know, I could totally cosplay as Alicia, then we could give the prince away as a reward. I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> I'd be like, I just came up with Alicia, you know, essentially, you know, let's say it's October right now, so, you know, three, four months ago, you know, I've been doing Guardians for two years, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know, Miss Power Girl's like, yeah, I'll totally cosplay as Alicia, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a dream come true. One thing about comics, and I know in the way that we tend to digest them and sort of disseminate them, is that you usually have a writer, you have an artist, mm-hmm. and that's great. But one thing that I think people, and myself included sometimes, because I fail to realize this too, is that it's really a team effort. Mm-hmm. And nothing is better than having a good team behind you because, again, you obviously you imagine this project, you come up with the concept, and you're seeing it to fruition. But at the same time, sometimes someone on your team can see things in a way that maybe not that you refuse to see, but it's just that maybe you're not thinking of, and yeah. could and it could tap into things that maybe you're not necessarily thinking of. And when those things kind of come together and mesh, it's a, it's a great thing. So. That's no, why I, I, I these years lately I've just been like, look, between letters, colorists, uh, anybody who works on a comic, you know, it's all a part of the greater good. Yeah, I mean, and even just my friends, you know, who have done comics, like, uh, if you ever heard of a Mark Lombardi? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's done a lot of comics, and I was talking to him because I actually submitted home to the uh, recent Shadow Line submissions. I I heard back from them. We didn't get accepted, but you know, it's okay. But he was talking to me about it and I was like saying like, you know, we were talking about the five page preview, which we now have on, you know, the the Kickstarter. And he's like, you know, you you need to have this in like the first five pages. He he was just being very general in his statement. And then I started to think about it. I'm like, you know, he's right. And then we put something (laughs) We put something, and it's not that same that my first five pages were bad. They weren't. I mean, to be fair, I honestly only changed the first page to add a few panels, and then I, I slightly modified the rest of them. But it's just like that one sentence, you know, like you need to have this in these in your first five pages to get your reader's attention. It changed how I thought about the, the it, essentially the whole issue in a way, or at least leading up to the, uh, the one of the big reveal pages midway through. And so the first, you know, five pages – just changed in a way that I think, you know, adds a bit of mystery to home. And like that first panel, the first two panels, I think people are going to really think about so much as like, what is going on here? And that's what, that's, you know, that's kind of what you want. And so, and we do reveal what those panels mean later on. So, you know, that just a little bit of fun and mystery before the whole thing gets started. So. It's you're right. It's very much a team effort, and I wouldn't be. I honestly would not be anywhere close without my team. The <laughs> the only thing that the team didn't make on the Kickstarter page, as we have it right now, is the uh, concept art of uh, Alicia and her armor, and uh, the picture of our monster, the Shreve. Those were done by a artist before like home really started going as a comic, and so though that's it. You know, everything else was done by them. So there you go. Very cool. I imagine like you guys are like this Fast and Furious type crew. Like you just go into a garage with like pens and ink, and it's like, all right, we're gonna build a supercharger with NAS. I'm like, wait, I thought we we're doing a comic. Oh, sorry, that too. I- <laughs> but but we're still gonna make a car. 
yeah. well to be fair to be fair we're, we're all we're an internet crew so you know that works too so we're like sending emails and talking on facebook back and forth and everything things like where is my page dang it <laughs> you told me you would have this ain't yesterday no it was they're a great crew and you know they they ad- they have adapted very quickly we had some uh, struggles actually coming into the kickstarter but we we overcame them and you know we're launched now and we're already 10 percent funded so i'm I'm hopeful. I'm really hoping that we get funded and maybe a little bit beyond. Likewise. And I I hope that you know, this keeps going because I get such a rush talking to especially your indie creators because they really do think of things that not that like larger companies don't, but the in terms of how like they market and how they present their books, it comes from this really great genuine love because like we said earlier, if you don't love what you're doing, why are you doing it? But as far as just promotional tools, like you said, the cosplay thing. I know some people have done, like, actual, they wrote music for soundtracks for their stuff. And it's it's really wild. So hopefully everybody goes and checks out the Kickstarter for this. Yeah, uh, we like, we have the link here on the uh, the podcast, wherever the page is. I'm just going to, I'm magically pointing to where the link is because no one can see where I'm actually pointing to. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry. That's all going to be up there. That'd be great. <laughs> It'd just be like, yeah. there's a picture of Todd's hand pointing directly to here, I'll I'll send you a screenshot, and then you could put then you could put post it right next to the link, and then it, that way I'm literally pointing to. Oh, this. totally do that. You know the email. Just send it to me afterwards. That is, that's going to be so much fun. Here, 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 here's my mic drop. There we go. Uh, <laughs> but now I hope I hope people will push to this because I have such an I have such ideas for this, and it's important to note that this is a mini series for now. We have a story blocked out. It's going to be probably five or six issues, depending. Uh, both on the Kickstarter and how it goes afterwards, but Alicia's story is one story, and then we have an ending at Alicia's story that opens it up to certain possibilities later, should this be real. And I already have an idea for the next story that I want to tell for home. It's just, it is fun. And that's the thing, is like, I've always been a guy who's never run out of stories, and, you know, I mentioned that earlier when I said I already have two comic series I want to do after home. And, you know, it's just it's just so much fun because I was I again, this is one of those cases where I was thinking about the second story for home and I was just getting started on Alicia's and I'm like, dang it, Todd, you got to focus here. It's like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm thinking of a new comic idea. You haven't made the first one. And I'm like, so stop yelling at me. So, again, you're like Hickman. You play the long game. Like, you know, you start with this concept. You're saying to yourself, where is it going with this? And then, of course, like, it, the payoff is like, holy shit. I wasn't even. <laughs> like, when people ask me about Guardians, just going back to that really quick, they're like, how many issues do you have planned out? And I have, I say, and I say, quite honestly, uh, I have ideas for, like, the first 100 issues. And they're like, say what? And I'm like, well, can I'll be fair. You know, I don't have, like, every issue blocked off, as I, like, mentioned earlier. But I know where I want to be in issue 25. I know I want to be where issue 50, issue 75, and then I have the entire arc more or less planned out for issue number 100. He's like, I've already got the forward for the omnibus planned out. Like, there you already go. thinking 10 steps ahead. Yeah, but yeah. I guess you kind of have to, you know? I'll be fair. You don't have to. It's honestly just how I work. It's just once I get an idea going like I did for Home or even the idea that came before Home, a shift uh, – you know, it's just I can't stop thinking about it. Like I, I've been thinking so much about my third comic series and my fourth comic series, and it's just what I do. And I acknowledge that, you know, in what, gosh, it's like 32 days, I suppose now, I could 
end the Kickstarter for home, I could not have gotten funded. But I'm still going to be thinking about those ideas, even though I know right. I'm going to want home to come out next. I just can't stop. And that's what I love about being a comic writer is that, yes, it's a struggle. And, yes, I am incredibly stressed right now for my home Kickstarter. But I know that eventually, one way or another, it's going to happen. Guardians was meant to be funded on Kickstarter. It never happened, and I'm 12 issues in. You know, Sometimes it's just circumstances. Sometimes you just got to have the will to, to do it. You gotta have the passion to do it, and I honestly, I can, I honestly say about myself, in no, with no arrogance attached, I have that, and I love that about myself, you know, because I love writing stories, I love thinking these characters, you know, Alicia is entirely different from my guardians, and I love that because it gives me new stories to tell. Alicia is an incredibly relatable character, where the guardians are kind of unrelatable characters because they were created by a deity and just dropped in a city and all that. Or Alicia was ridiculed and bullied her entire life, which is a lot like what I was in my my life. And I know a lot of people, I had a friend uh, on Twitter, I told her the idea of a home and she goes, were you talking about, did you make this character based off of me? And I go, no, I didn't, but I understand why you said that. <laughs> Wow, so, like, you, know, you never know who your, your story's going to resonate with. And that's exactly it, and that's what I want with Home. The question behind Home, and I had this a lot in my promo material, is the question, where is your home? Because it's a question a lot of us ask ourselves, especially as we get older in life, and that's the question Alicia is very much asking herself in the beginning, in the middle, and at, at the end. And the, the, the answer might be surprising to some, and it's this, it's this core question that is the backbone of this entire series is where is your home? And I can't wait to reveal what the answer is to anyone who is willing to read it. And I'm thinking to myself, is there ever a chance of a cross-up between uh, uh, Home and Guardians? Uh, honestly, I would say no, not because it couldn't happen, but because of the context of what the stories are. It's it's complicated because you know, especially in like this day and age, you know, you're always having of like that idea of like a universal thing, right? Like you know, with DC and Marvel and the Valiant, and even the Transformers movies are unfortunately still being made. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they lost me after uh, Revenge of the Fallen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, first one was great. Uh, anyway, so you know, there's that, but how home and it also ties into the ending of home you'll you'll understand why this isn't exactly feasible could it happen sure do i want it to happen i don't think so because i've got so many stories to tell with guardians that a crossover with any of my series no matter what they are would be would be just almost like pandering to to myself not to not to the fans to myself <laughs> you know because they'll be like oh look i have two comic books and i just put them together what no i don't want to do that I rather just I, they they have their stories that they can tell on their own that a crossover kind of would be a little bit pointless and just a money grab and I I would never want to do that to the fans. But at the same time, I guess that you think about it though, the way you describe home, the universe is big enough that you can really take most of your characters and kind of if you wanted to, obviously, I'm not like pitching you necessarily, but it's vast enough and intricate enough that you really could form multiple stories of within this universe because i mean even the story about the knights as you placed it is interesting enough that that could be its own story in addition to everything else so i mean you've pretty much already built your your world right there yeah I'll, i'm not gonna comment on that too much i'll just say is like the ending will answer that question so there you go <laughs> well see and then of course well now i need to know so that means you guys have to fund it so that way i can now read this so that way I can stop trying to fish for spoilers. <laughs> it's like, hey, Todd, George Washington here says, um, I think he knows the answer to home, but... Wait, what? 
Nothing. I was, I was going to try to bribe you with the dollar. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, is there really a guy named George Washington is asking a question here? I was like, no, <laughs> I was just... It does, that joke, unfortunately, is a visual joke. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to hold up the dollar bills like, here. Oh, <laughs> like Abraham, his twin brother, Abraham Lincoln, also... Oh, I'm sorry, a... my friend, but uh, I am all about the Benjamins. <laughs> well, um, shoot. Um, all right, I guess, well, I got a ski mask and I got... <laughs> Time to get to work. Let me put it this way. At the time of this recording, if you give me 23 Benjamins, I will tell you whatever you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. As one of the stretch goals is, the more money you gave me, the more I'm willing to tell you anything you want to know about this book. There you go. There you go. Todd, this has been so much fun, man. Thank you, Adrian. I had an actual blast to, to sit and chat, and um, hopefully you will come back, though, because I, I feel like there's tons of more stuff that we should cover. Well, I'll be honest. If we get if we get funded, I'll happily you know come back on. Or depending on how well we do, I'm probably gonna might have to do. If we get funded, you know, let's just say my base goal, which is twenty five hundred, you know, if we just get that, I'll probably have to do another Kickstarter for the uh, the remaining issues. So I'll happily come on every issue if necessary. And then we'll you know we'll branch off into DC and Marvel and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in knowing what my guests are into, even if it's not even just DC and Marvel. Like, I mean, I've had. Shows where I've talked about Fast and the Furious, Power Rangers, who have committed oh, unspeakable acts of murder. There we go. See, exactly. So, I mean, I'm definitely would love to have you back on. Appreciate so, it. before we go, though, I'm always about shameless promotion. Yeah. Once again, hit people with the Kickstarter and where they can find more of your stuff online. Okay, well, the Kickstarter, you just uh, we'll have. Like, of course, we have the link. You know, if you if you're, if you're lazy and just want to go straight to the Kickstarter, find just go Kickstarter and search for home or like one of the top search results. Uh, Guardians is a guardians-comic.com. Our first issue, Guardians Number Zero, is actually free to download digitally. You know, you can actually open it up in the browser. Those are honestly the two big ones. I feel like shameless self-promoting. Actually, I'll take that back. If you are a fan of the uh, Avatar universe, like uh, Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, we have a story. I have a story I wrote that I think should be the third series because I want a third series. It's called Avatar Spirit of Earth. Look that up. We have that around, so check that out. And then just, if you can help me fund home, I'll be in your debt. And I promise you, we got some good stuff coming up. Guardians is actually a part of the home Kickstarter. We have a lot of rewards where you'll get the Guardians issues if you pledge a certain amount. And we're going to be giving away signed copies as rewards. You know, uh, Miss Power Girl and her cosplay hopefully will make an appearance soon on the Kickstarter along with the variant cover. So stay tuned for that. We got, we've got we already got a bunch of fan art. How cool is that? Uh, that is dope as hell. That is dope. That is dope, bro. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like bodacious, man. Be excellent to each other. Whoa. Moving on. That was a very intense count of Reeves. I like that. Don't get me started on that because then we'll go into like epic rap battles of history and then I can't stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my, it's like, Bill's mom is hot, but that joke was most heinous. Uh, I've heard better insults drop from so great to heinous. Moving on. Uh, you know, if you, if you help us fund the Kickstarter, I'd be in your debt. We get, like, so we got some cool stuff, and I really just want to make this comic because home is, I think home is something really special, and I think you'll like it if you check it out. So, there you go. Shameless self-promotion, over. Awesome. <laughs> I used to do a, a podcast called Agent and Atlas Have Issues. We had an episode on where Keanu, we were talking about Keanu Reeves because a lot of it was we were just kind of kind of riff on, you know, geek culture, things that were going on. But mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves had a interview where people were asking, okay, what's the status on Bill and Ted 3? Oh, yeah. To which he, I don't know if you probably saw the article, but to which he replied, and this is the greatest response to anything ever, is there's a certain darkness that's keeping it from happening. <laughs> 
<laughs> a certain darkness keeping it from happening. Yeah, he goes into this whole thing like he says, like it's a dark point in the idea. I may have to do one of those conspiracy type statements about it, and he just—it was so very cryptic and strange. It was almost as if you had asked like Constantine what the time was. Like it just wouldn't be like, oh, it's eleven thirty. Like he goes to this like long soliloquy about you know the other world and things like that and i can only imagine who the interviewer was like he's motioning like kill it kill it like i don't know what he's going on about but i'm kind of scared be afraid be very afraid <laughs> it was just so funny because once you mention calories it always makes me think back to that interview where he's just like there's a certain darkness that's keeping it from happening like i didn't realize that like you know supernatural forces uh were keeping a movie from getting made but i guess that's kind of how that works yeah. well you know they say there is no bill in Ted three <laughs> i sincerely hope not but that that leads into a whole other podcast oh, I, I work for a website where they're like they're like praying for it it's like they're like almost a religion you know is bill and ted you know and they're like every time there's a bill and ted three article they're like post it post it post it so i i understand that why the people love why, why they love bill and ted and you know if oh if i do happen. too though but i just i don't know how it would work in a newer setting because i mean alex winter himself he actually was very active still in doing stage and like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff but the keanu reeves as of late a very different guy from the one of the early 90s, and I'd imagine he'd be Ted, but, like, a very world-weary version. Like, he'd be, like, John Wick, but still, I don't know, listening to hair metal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> At any rate. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Well, thank you for joining us on Keanu Cast. There you go. Todd, thanks so much, man. Like I said, uh, we'll be in touch, and I'm always on Twitter, so always feel free to hit us up. And you guys listening, you know where to find me. There's going to be an after-show stinger, so I'm not going to bore you. But for now, that'll do it for Agent Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hey guys, Adrian here. I really hope you enjoyed that episode of Adrian Has Issues. Before we go, there's a couple of things I want to let you know. First off, you can catch every episode at my main website, adrianhasissues.com. You can download and stream all the episodes there. Plus, there's also a nifty section full of guest appearances. So not only do you get to hear my voice on my own show, but I also hop in on some other podcasts I enjoy, like Let's Chat with Revel and Friends, BS Excluded. Basically, any guest spot I have, I'll put it right in the site. Also, you can check me out at Twitter, at AdrianHasIssues, Facebook.com slash AdrianHasIssues. I'm on Instagram at AdrianHasIssuesPod. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to email me at AdrianHasIssues at gmail.com. Oh, and before we go, I just want to let you know that this podcast is now a member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. My show is also joined by many other great shows like Moving the Needle, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, Green Up, and many more. One last thing, please, if you also have Stitcher and iTunes, this show is available there. Please feel free to leave a five-star review and a rating. 
The more ratings and reviews I get, the better opportunities I have for other people to check out the show. So share and share alike, and thanks for your constant support. I couldn't do this without you. And well, that'll do it for this episode. So see you later, guys.